Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the 2018 ACC Operation Basketball event. We're coming at you from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte. I've been at about 30 or so of these things, and our next guest has been to even more. He is the commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference and a longtime guest of the program. John Swafford, great to see you in person. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, I'm great. Good to, good to be here. It's a great time of year with football still playing and basketball getting ready to play. So uh, uh, good to be in Charlotte. Well, speaking of both of those sports, way back when, when you were saving me from being stranded in Hawaii by giving me a ride to the airport at the last second, the ACC was far more famous for basketball, right? Uh, late 1980s, not quite yet as famous for football. I know we're here at a basketball event today. But do you think it's an exaggeration to say that the ACC in football in many ways has protected a basketball conference? Because imagine, uh, without Florida State, without the recent resurgence of Clemson, this league might not be relevant in football the way it is, as you said this morning, with two national titles in the last five years in that sport to go with the two national titles in the last five years in this sport of basketball. Well, I, I think that's fair to say uh, in a sense. There's no question that in, in, in the modern day of college athletics that uh, it, from my mind, David, we, A, as a league, had to grow because we had to have a larger footprint. Uh, and, and, B, we had to improve in, in football. And the goal was to do that uh, without taking anything away from our, our basketball. And I think we've been able to do each of those things, and and, uh, and that's a great credit to our schools and, and, and the league as a whole to put us in the position that we're in now as a conference, which I think is probably the strongest we've ever been in our history. You mentioned this morning seven of the last 18 NCAA men's basketball titles won by your current schools, two of the last four, of course, everybody in our state knows about that. Uh, what... How many arms are there to this octopus? You have uh, certainly a lot of popularity in basketball. You have three Hall of Famers. You have the ACC Network on the way. Uh, how many How many ways is ACC basketball branding the conference as a whole? Because that's been a theme basically throughout your entire life with men's basketball in particular leading the way. Well, I, I don't know if you can put a number on that, and you named uh, certainly some of the most important. The, you know, and then you talk about the ACC basketball tournament and all its history and yep. tradition, and and now uh, the rotation of that tournament into different parts of the country that are now part of our footprint, and that that just seems seems to grow. Uh, the optics of having uh, eighty-two former ACC players on NBA yep. rosters this year, which is by far the most of wow. any any conference, so. An awfully lot of times with all the games the pros play, it's going to be so-and-so from, you know, the University of North Carolina or North Carolina State or, or, or Duke University or, what you know, Syracuse, whatever it might be. So you have that out there. Uh, so it builds on itself. And, and when you ha- we're just fortunate to have the history and tradition we have in basketball. Uh, and that's a tremendous credit to the, the players and coaches and administrators that came before us and built that foundation and interestingly enough in 1953 when the league was formed it was formed for football reasons and yep. uh, early on Maryland uh, as an ACC member won a, a national championship in football but then the, the history and tradition and, and, and uh, bell cow so to speak became basketball 
so you never know how these things are going to evolve. Spoken by a former ACC football player, John Swafford, now the commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, the You mentioned this morning, the, this is not new news, but we now know the same building we're in right now hosts the ACC basketball tournament this coming spring. And then the four-city rotation for your crown jewel, the ACC tournament, Charlotte this coming spring, Greensboro, D.C., and Brooklyn. I loved your phrase, we're, we're respecting the past while also embracing the present and the future. I wonder if you can share how these conversations happen among administrators, because among Fanland, John, and I think you know this, you have North Carolina fans screaming bloody murder about the attendance is better here, people care more here, uh, we've earned our place here in Charlotte and Greensboro, and then you have some of the outside North Carolina fans screaming at the top of their lungs saying, wait a minute, I'm tired of this, this is a state of North Carolina conference, and they're always conspiring against us out in these hinterlands, you know, up in the northeast and down south. I imagine it's more polite, but are some of the same themes in play there? Yes, it's great in North Carolina, but, you know, 11 of your schools are not based in North Carolina. Right. Well, fortunately, there's not a lot of screaming (laughs) among the administrators (laughs) when those discussions are had, and... uh, and votes are taken, but but it's a uh, you know it's an important decision, and and you know I, I think the the simple answer to a lot of that is people want the tur- tournament in a place that's convenient to them, yeah, and a place they're familiar with, and and that makes it easier for them to be at the tournament, uh, and we all get that. I, I mean, I would be the same way, you would be the same way, uh, generally speaking. Um, the the beauty of it is we're blessed with having tremendous fan bases in basketball that that love the game, know the game. Uh, some of them know the history and tradition of the league better than others, obviously. Uh, but at, at the same time, uh, anywhere we go with this tournament, it's successful. It, it it's different and. New York than it is in Greensboro for all the obvious reasons. But it's great in both of them. It's just different. And uh, all the alums and and fans we have in the New York area, uh, you know, they feel the same way people in North Carolina feel about about the tournament being in North North Carolina or about the tournament being in New York. So I think it all depends on... uh, What's that saying? How, how you how you vote depends on where you sit. Yeah, I, I feel uh, like where a, you live. So. I feel like a United Nations peacekeeper on this topic yeah. because I'm originally from Philadelphia, so right. I understand the northern mentality. But I've lived here for 31 yeah. years, and I've been surrounded by ACC cultures. I like the rotation. So yeah. I hear the, some fans screaming in one ear, and the other fans screaming in the other ear, and I say I kind of like John Swafford and his. Uh, his other decision-makers compromise here. Charlotte, yeah. Greensboro, D.C., and Brooklyn the next four years of the ACC tournament. You well, t- the go- well, the goal is to make those decisions such as where the tournament is, and that's, you know, based on what's best, what's in the league's best interest overall over the long term. And, uh, you know, and I think this rotation that we're in, have been in and will be in, and we're in the middle of right now, is really a good one for the league. ACC Commissioner John Swafford joining us at Operation Basketball at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but I believe you said this morning, I think there will be NCAA action related to the ongoing FBI cases in New York City and federal court. 
And I think you said, I believe there should be NCAA action at some point down the road. What makes you say that you think there should be NCAA action on cases that have pulled in uh, most prominently in our backyard, you know, NC State, there's an allegation that an assistant coach was actually involved in funneling money to a family of, a, of a, one of their former players. What makes you say there should be NCAA action down the road on these FBI cases? Well, what I meant by that is if uh, the things that have been alleged and were said under oath uh, turn out to be true, then I don't think the NCAA has any any choice but to act in some way. I have no deal, no idea exactly what that would be. And the NCAA is in transition right now in terms of changing its approach to that. And, uh, so it's coming at an interesting time. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure this will, will take a while. Uh, you know, David, the other thing I tried to emphasize this morning from, from my standpoint is, you know, when, the, when these things happen, it's not a it gets portrayed uh, in, in, in the sense that this is an entire institution doing something. It's not an institution. It's individual it's people really making bad decisions and putting an institution in a bad place. Yeah. And that, that kind of infuriates me, to be honest with you. Uh, and we need to get back to more personal accountability uh, with these kinds of things, in, in my opinion and put it in perspective and, and deal with, uh, you know, with that in individual, that situation. Uh, you know, and, and maybe there has to be, at times, institutional, you know, accountability, too, if there's, if there's some uh, sense of, of culture within that institution that allows that kind of thing. That's hard to measure. Right. But... Uh, I hate to see institutions reputationally damaged because of the actions of one or two or three people in in a very high-profile situation, but that's what you live with in college athletics. It's incredibly frustrating. I can see yeah. the frustration on your face yeah. as you describe, you know, maybe a university is doing 99% of the things correctly right. and and has a healthy compliance culture. Right. All it takes is one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've, you've and seen, that's the scary part oh in college athletics. All it takes as a, is as one. As a business owner, it scares it's, me. Yeah. You know, if I run the ACC Sports Journal on accsports.com, and at times in my career I've had 100 people working for me, and 99 do it the right way, but one person slanders John Swafford, I've got a lawsuit on my hands, even though 99 of my 100 employees were doing things the way I asked them to do professionally, et cetera, yeah. right? And, but yet, one out of 100, I've got, you know, mm-hmm. I've got a financial crisis on my hands, even though I taught all 100 the same way, right? right? It's, it's that, putting myself in the shoes of any of these universities, that's kind of the way I think. Uh, you had really interesting com- uh, comments this morning on the new G League $100,000 plus salary that's going to be offered only to a handful of the very best high school seniors. Uh, I agree with you on this, but put into your own words why you don't think, whether it ends up being four, six, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 elite high school players a year bypassing college altogether, uh, in your paraphrasing you again from earlier, you don't think this hurts college basketball at all. Why? I do not. Uh because we would never have experienced those players anyway. And I, I use Kobe Bryant as an example, one of the – turned out to be one of the all-time great pros. Never went to college, uh, and there are others. Well, college basketball never met, never missed Kobe because right. we never had Kobe. Yeah. 
And uh, I think the more we're in a situation where players are coming in and staying for, you know, some period of time where fans can get to know them and follow their progression and, and – uh, and they, you know, we're in an age where people love to talk about building their individual brand. Yeah. So I'll use, I'll use that. They build their brand at the collegiate level. Uh, I think that's what college basketball fans really latch on to. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, us not having some of those players to begin with, I, I do not think that hurts college basketball one out. I really don't. I'm with you. I know and sometimes that may be the best path for for sure, certain people. Sure. It gives them another choice that they can make, and uh, you know that maybe they spend that year in the G League and making uh, you know a decent amount of money, and and really for probably six months. Uh, it's not even for a year. It's, you know, six months yeah. or so. But. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that from a, from a uh, collegiate athletic standpoint. ACC Commissioner John Swafford joining us on the David Glenn Show. The 20-game league schedule is coming, and you pointed out earlier today that it allows for basically three-year cycles where every ACC Hoops team will play its rivals six times, of course, twice a year over three years, but all others four times. So explain how that narrows the gap. I haven't seen this opponent on my home court in X number of years. That's going to have, you know, that's going to yeah. be much more digestible now. And give us a sense of how much objection the coaches put in because not all of them love more conference games, but as you said this morning, I love it as a media member. My friends love it as fans. Those early season games that are a part of this are good, and your new ACC network has one heck of a programming leap right out of the gate that I would imagine inspires a whole lot of people to to sign up for carrying your ACC network. Right, where we'll start the conference season next year, uh, right at the beginning of the season with with conference games, uh, which I think will be a real treat. Um, You know, I know some of the coaches would prefer not to play 20 games, and uh, and then what they do with their non-conference schedule, that's institutional. Right. They, you know, they can do what they need to do. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the 20-game schedule for a whole lot of reasons, and, and the feedback we've gotten has been uh, strongly in favor of it, even with some coaches. Uh, yeah. You know, it may make their job a little harder. Uh, in a sense, and and little less control of of the schedule itself because now they're they're twenty that yep. uh, they don't control, really twenty one with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, right? And we expect to continue that. Uh, so I get that side of it, but I think the good, the upside far outweighs the the downside, in my opinion. And last thing for you, as we send you along the rest of Radio Row. The ACC Network is almost here. You did announce that uh, the talent for new shows and the announcers for games starting uh, in 2019, the the 24-hour new channel called the ACC Network, uh, all these things are starting to ramp up. What's your bottom-line reminder for ACC fans who who might not remember every detail of, of what is coming and what they should look forward to starting next summer? Well, you can look forward to a 24-7 uh, ESPN uh, channel devoted totally to the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we'll have a lot of our live 
games uh, of every sport on there, uh, extensive coverage of, of Olympic sports, uh, as well as extensive uh, football and, and men's basketball. Uh, there'll be a number of shows uh, about the Atlantic Coast Conference, both in terms of its history and, and uh uh, how we got to where we are and the great players over the years and coaches that have brought us here, as well as uh, what you would expect in, in real time and, and current you know, discussions about what's going on in the league and college athletics. Uh, so it's, I think it's going to be just a tremendous thing for, for the ACC and, and our future uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, fans and, and financially, you know, which is important in today's world, obviously, too. How's the timetable on knowing your distribution? Is that, I mean, here we are in October of 2018. Do you already have a sense of who's agreeing to carry the ACC network? I mean, as you know, the Pac-12 had problems with their network distribution. Uh, as you've reminded us often, the SEC network succeeded for a lot of different reasons, but one of them was a partnership with ESPN, as you have now, that helps with distribution, among a lot of other reasons. Okay. Uh, what can you share, if anything, just about how that timetable works? Well, a, a lot distribu- the dist- distribution uh, game is a is is a tough business. Uh, yeah. there, there's no question about that. I think anybody that's been involved in it would would say that. And uh, a lot of a lot of times it goes down to to the last minute when certain deals are up and they have to come to an agreement. And an awfully lot of times those agreements happen at the midnight hour, so to speak. Uh, so. You know, the, the potential distributors need to know that uh, fans want to see this channel. And, yeah. and if they can't see it, they, they'll they go somewhere with their distribution where they yeah. can see it. Uh, but I think the, the great thing we've got, and we've had some wins already, so we feel good about where we are, starting with Altice in New York City. And uh, so I, I think things are progressing well there. The ideal time is when... Uh, distribution deals are up with Disney, and and Disney can negotiate all those yep. packages together. The great thing about having ESPN as a partner, uh, David, is that they bring tremendous leverage to the distribution table because uh, it's not just the ACC network; it's it's all of the ESPN platforms plus all of the Disney platforms, and uh, you know, so a distributor going dark with all those. Yeah platforms that that's a that's a, that's a tough thing to do uh so it'll you know there'll be some uh you know some heartache and and lost sleep probably uh late summer uh as we go into the launch because that's just normal you know the big 10 network took about three years to to reach its yeah max point uh and and we've uh, looked at this conservatively as to how this will play out, but we feel very, very good about it. I hope this sends you away with a smile as we thank you for your time and always your accessibility over over a long time with your uh, presence here on the David Glenn Show. I want you, even if the new ACC Network has no interest in the David Glenn Show or me as an on-air talent, have you ever seen the guys who like stand on the corner at the traffic light jumping up and down saying, you know, there's a 24-hour mattress sale in this shopping center right here? <laughs> I am also available in that capacity. I'm not yet too old. If you need people to understand, hey, you better find a carrier that carries the ACC network. I will be the 24-hour mattress sale guy jumping on up and down 
uh, at the street corner if the ACC <laughs> needs me to or if the ACC network now, needs me to. Are you going to make your own sign, or do you want us to make your sign <laughs> uh, for you? Or ESPN. It, ESPN would be good to make that sign. They, they have a lot sign. of resources, yeah, I've heard. They can do that so very quickly. We, we've had such a good partnership. <laughs> Let's call it exactly that. I might lean on them for some signs, maybe even an outfit. It could be maybe a rainbow-themed clown outfit just to draw more yeah, attention. I, okay, I want to be there to see that. <laughs> hey, John, great to see you. Thanks for tackling so many topics with us today here at uh, Operation Basketball. Good to have you here, David. Thanks well, for having me on. Let's throw it back to the studio in Raleigh. We'll be back right after this on the David Glenn Show.